This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast and it's the international break and sometimes when it comes to international break we like to sit back and relax and have a little bit of a rest but you know every now and again besotted we like to just bring you something special. My name is Billy Grant and I'm very excited to be able to bring you something very special this week, something very exciting. Her Game 2, we've got the girls from Her Game 2 on board here today. We've got Kaz May, we've got Vicky Wood and we've got Ali Malali from the Besotted Podcast in the house as well. Girls, how are you? Very good, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's good, good. Like, thanks very much for coming on the show. Like I said to you, very excited to have you on the show. Also, later in the show, we're going to be joined by Brentford's fan and community relations director, Sally Stevens. But, you know, first of all, like I said to you, we've got lots to talk about today. So, listen, let's just, let's just, just go around the house and let's just introduce yourselves. Kaz, just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and you know, who do you support? What have you been up to? Uh, so I'm Kaz. I'm a Bristol Rovers fan, unfortunately, um, but I'm also the founder of Her Game 2. Um, so started up this national campaign, which I didn't expect to blow up as much as it has done in the last five months. Um, so, yeah, it's been really busy, obviously still finding time to support my local team. But, um, yeah, very busy with Vic working hard on this Her Game 2 campaign, which we'll talk about more in this podcast. Excellent, excellent. And listen, Kaz, I mean, Bristol Rovers, I mean, I've been there loads of times, Twerton Park, I've been to the Memorial Ground, been to all sorts of Bristol stadiums as well. But I just need to know, your season, are you happy with it? Sad with it, how's it going? Uh, yeah, not happy at all. <laughs> don't, don't really want to talk about it, to be honest. Um, no, to be honest, it's got a little bit better, um, slightly. Um, picking up a little bit of form, we beat Harrogate, who were unbeaten at home last weekend, so that was good. Um, but unfortunately for all of us gas heads, it's a bit of an uncertain future at the moment with Joey Barton and his two court cases going on. We don't know if he's going to be here from next month onwards so it's kind of hard to sort of get into it a little bit um kind of lost that passion a little bit for my team um but hopefully we could sort that out from next month whatever the outcome is hopefully we could get that love back and start picking up some form because obviously league one last year finished rock bottom we're hoping to bounce back but it doesn't look likely at the moment and we just look mid-table mediocrity at best to be honest uh, no and, and it has been a bit mad because you've you sort of had a bit of a sort of kind of roller coaster with the, with the managers as well didn't you because it you spent quite a lot of money and it looked all quite bright then it just kind of sort of seemed to slightly fall apart a bit didn't it yeah so we got we took a bit of a risk with Ben Garner last season we brought him in let him spend all the money on on his own players he brought in loads of players he had a bit of a blank canvas um it was an unbalanced squad in the end which unfortunately didn't work out too well they gave him 10 games in charge sacked him bought in Paul Tisdale who was even worse <laughs> and then sacked him after January after he had his own transfer window and then we then brought in the mental case which is Joey Barton who <laughs> somehow even worse than Tisdale and Garner so yeah it's not been great um it's been hard for us fans to adjust and then Joey's now brought in his his own team as well this summer and it's hard for us fans to sort of adjust to all the different like you know different players that are coming in and kind of lost that connection 
between players and fans a little bit because it's such a, a big turnaround two seasons in a row. So yeah, it's a, it's been pretty uh, pretty much a roller coaster like you said for us Rovers fans, but hopefully we'll get there soon. Yeah. Listen, fingers crossed to turn it around. Like I said to you, football fans are, you know, players and managers and all that, they come and go, but fans are there till the end, as they say. So fingers crossed for that. So, Vic, how are you? I haven't spoken to you. Well, I've spoken to you quite a lot, but I haven't actually sort of seen you for a while. I actually miss <laughs> sitting by the River Cafe outside there, drinking beers, talking about nonsense, like, you know, before and after the Wednesday matches as well. So listen, just tell everybody about yourself. Yeah, so there's quite a gulf between us now, I would say, in terms of football time. I don't think... We're going to be meeting each other on an away game any anytime soon. Um, but yeah, I'm Victoria. I'm part of the Her Game 2 campaign. Um, and I'm a Sheffield Wednesday season ticket holder. Um, and yeah, it's a, both a blessing and a curse, I suppose. I've been going since I was a baby. Um, my mum and dad both went to the games and had nobody to babysit. So they took me with them. Um, so I think I was about three months old my first game. And so nowadays there's there's a phone number you can ring for childlike, but back then I didn't really know which one to choose. So yeah, I've been sat in the same seat for 33 years um, and it's obviously every game's different, but at the moment it's been quite tough. Uh, listen, listen, like I said to you, you're there thick and thin and talking about we haven't met you in away games, but I was actually planning, I didn't want to say anything, but I was keeping your fingers crossed that you're going to beat Plymouth in the FA Cup actually, because if you did and you got a home game, I was actually thinking of making a diversion mm-hmm. up to Sheffield because we're playing Leeds the following day. So I could actually sit in the River Cave <laughs> with you lot and have a few beers before the game as well. But we'll see how that goes. Also in the house is a, a voice that many of the besotted listeners will know. Ali Malali in the house. Ali, how are you? Well, well yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I'm just warming up. I've just got in from coaching at Athletics. So I'm just uh, rushed in to do this and... Uh, I'm feeling a little uh, less happy about the football than I probably was a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> uh, and and so, I mean to say that as well, but obviously, Ali, you're you're, you're a Brentford fan. Just give everyone a, a little bit of a background of, of yourself. Uh, okay, so um, I actually grew up in um, in uh, North Devon. So my nearest team, which was 40 miles away, um, was Exeter City, and my dad worked weekend so I never got to go to football when I was a kid um, and then I moved up to London and uh, I ended up in Ealing and Brentford were well I had a choice of Brentford, QPR, Fulham or Chelsea really and uh, Brentford were the were the nearest really just about so I used to take myself off down when back in the, the League 2 days just before we got promoted from League 2 and uh uh, a little bit ad hoc at the time because I was working for Sky Sports at the time, so I was often working at weekends. And then I jacked that off and uh, got to go to football every weekend. And uh, uh, yeah, I've been a season ticket holder for nine, ten years now. And you say you're not happy with the season, or you're okay? Oh, yeah, with the, well, season. the season overall. I'm, I'm just delighted just to be where we are. Do you know what I mean? As we all are. Um, but you know, I think our expectations from where we our expectations were before the season got taken ridiculously high for a few weeks and we've come back down to earth we have a bit of a bump the last couple of weeks so um yeah yeah saturday wasn't as much fun as some other games have been put it that way and that was the norwich game yeah. you're talking about there as well so but listen anyway listen listen let's just get on to her came to but this, this campaign caught my eye as it caught a lot of people's eyes as well i think it was on fa cup final day and i saw this video um that went out which went viral which Kaz was going to tell us about it in a minute, but I just went, whoa. And I remember showing it to my 12-year-old daughter at the time, and I said to her, you need to have a look at this, because it reflected a lot of the things, not all the things, obviously, because she's only 12, <laughs> but that she's thinking as well at the time. And she looked at that, and she just kind of went, I really, I'm really feeling that. You know, so at the time, I think I'm, I'm, I might have messaged a few of you girls, and she said to you, I'm really feeling that. But Kaz, just tell me, because listen, we're going to put the, 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 the video back up on Besotted, so people that haven't seen it, they can see it. Just tell us. How did the campaign start, Kez? Um, so, to be honest, like it's always been an issue in football. For any female football fan, will be able to tell you that it's it's always been something that's considered the norm. If you go to football, you've got to expect these comments from men about how you don't belong because you're a woman, or you should get back to the kitchen. And if you put something out, if you're if you you're brave enough to make a comment on the game, then you've got to expect that someone's gonna tell you that you don't know what you're talking about because you're female. So it's always been the norm. Um, but for me in this campaign, um, the way it sort of started for me was when actually I had quite a bad experience online and I said something that 
was no different to what any other male fan would have said, um, which was just laughing at a scoreline. There's always been a thing about Wickham and Bristol Rovers where we've had a little bit of a rivalry. Um, not as a rivalry like Bristol City, but there's a little bit, because of history, there's a little bit something there between the two clubs. So when Wickham got thumped in the championship, I, along with a load of other Rovers fans, laughed at the scoreline. Um, but for some reason for me, because I was female, it was suddenly all about how I looked, about my gender, about my female body parts. I was getting threats in my DMs from Wickham supporters and other supporters. Um, and then it happened over the course of sort of two weeks. I was getting lots of people talking about mainly about how I looked me being female um, to the point where I was too afraid to go back on Twitter. So I locked my account down. I didn't go back on there because I was too scared that every time I'd open up, I'd see something else about me, something nasty about me or get another DM from someone. Um, and the sad thing about this was that a lot of it was from Bristol Rovers fans and a lot of it was from Bristol City fans. So I'm thinking in my mind, I'm got, you know, next time I go to a game or even just walking around Bristol, walking to work, you know, there's going to be Bristol Rivers and Bristol City fans around Bristol. Like, are they going to say these things to my face? And then it started, I started getting a bit paranoid about that. Um, and I'm someone who's always, every time I've had a comment like this, I've dealt with it really well. But on this, on this occasion, I didn't deal with it very well at all. And I felt really anxious. I felt really paranoid. Um, so then I thought to myself, like, why are we just accepting this? Like, why is this okay? Um, why are we saying that it's the norm? Um, for someone who's quite thick skinned like myself that felt like that and was losing sleep over these comments and was paranoid and had to lock my account down. What if someone else who's a little bit less thick skinned gets this kind of abuse just for being a female football fan and saying the same as what another male football fan would say? Like that, it was all over my timeline, people laughing at Wickham, but I was the one that got targeted. Um, and it was all these aggressive names like slag bin sorry if you can't say this on your podcast um, no, you can say you say what you want then <laughs> like so yeah a lot a lot of like female targeted insults um yeah which which kind of really affected me so then um i reflected on that and then i found that when i was brave enough to work on twitter there was a lot of women that were speaking out about the abuse that they'd received as well and there was it was happening quite often i don't know if it was because it was lockdown there was more people on social media but I was finding that a lot of women were getting targeted just for being female and talking about football. Um, so I contacted these girls I saw on my timeline. I followed a few of them anyway, and I said, look, let's do something about it. Um, and that's where Her Game 2 came about. Um, so we started talking about how we could get the message out there, which then was where the video idea came from, of passing the paper along, all in our football shirts. I said to the girls, write down, you know, something that's really stuck with you and we'll put it up and we'll, We'll put a video together. We'll get a hashtag going and post it on FA Cup final day. And that was that. And then the response was amazing. And it just goes to show how many could resonate with it and how much it was needed. And, that, and, there's tw and that's 12 of you that started up the campaign. Is that right? Yeah. So unfortunately, I didn't know Vic at that at that time. So Vic came in a little bit later. But um, yeah, so 12 of us initially started it up. Um, we came up with the name Her Game 2. So we're back and forth about what we could call the campaign. Obviously talking about like the logo and the colours we'll go for. And uh, yeah, the video idea to, to launch it and the Twitter page and stuff like that. So all of that was sort of going on. And to be honest, we sort of got it done quite quickly. I think within a month, everything all the plans are in the place the video so I edited the video together myself and everything was done and, and ready to go and ready to launch and then we just did it and got the hashtag rolling and yeah the response was incredible and it really is excellent the campaign is excellent and it really did hit home as well I mean Vic and, and, and Ali as well I want, I want to get some feedback from you to see you know if you've actually experienced similar type activity I mean we're talking about online abuse at the moment and I mean I know Vic you have because I know that you come on, on and off and I, you know we chat quite a lot and uh, you know the, the Wednesday week podcast you know we've been on that from from day one pretty much you know and uh, listen we have some great times and we have some great jokes on there but every time every now and again I see you sort of withdraw because you know you basically just come under attack like you know you sort of disappear from a little bit you go back on I mean just can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so I think one of the things with me is um obviously I do quite a lot of media work that gets asked of me and um, being on a podcast that's a predominantly white male podcast I am often the person that people want to speak to about stuff because I do tick a box in some way and um, and it gets to the point there's an ongoing joke in my office that literally if Wednesday signs somebody if there's a new manager or anything my phone just goes crazy all morning 
and it's usually like local media wanting to chat to me wanting to talk about like my thoughts about it um and the the worst point that i've had there were a few points um that there was one point where i was asked to do a video um by monday Mag. Um, they were working with Lad Brooks and they were trying to raise the face of women in football and it was called Mother's Daughter's Fans uh, Mother's Daughter's Sister's Fans um, and they asked us if we would speak to them um, my, my dad had been quite poorly and we'd done quite a bit of campaigning for prostate cancer and just done like little bits in the media like I work in media so he'd wanted to get his name and sort of story out there to get other men to get checked and it was all very organic how that happened um, when Monday Mag contacted us and offered us money to record it, we said yes, as long as it goes to prostate cancer. Um, and we did this, what they shot was a beautiful video where they just interviewed me and my mum all around the ground, in the pub that you mentioned, um, just, just basically just doing our normal match day routine um, and also talking about what effect that would have had on us if my dad wasn't there to join us. Um, and the majority of the outreach from that was amazing um but there were one or two people men and women mainly men but there were a couple of women and i think that almost hurt me more um who said there were quotes like if only a dad had died then we wouldn't have to keep hearing to go on about it um i can't believe this slags back on the internet again won't she just fuck off has she had her tits done there was all these questions just about me talking about my dad nearly dying of prostate cancer for charity that's all i was trying to do and it that was a tough one um because my dad had only just got better um and was still in the process of getting better um so that hurt and then last year obviously like we had lockdown and it was difficult for everybody um i live on my own and i stuck to every rule i had to stick to i was very very um, concerned about not only my own health but obviously my dad's just had cancer I didn't want him to catch anything um, I'm a carer for my grandma so I didn't want her to catch anything um, and so I was quite insular anyway um, but then we signed Darren Moore as our new manager at Sheffield Wednesday and immediately as usual my phone rang and I said yeah I'll talk to I think it was ITV local news um, and I said I'm only doing that one like I'm knackered I'm working from home I'm trying to reevaluate this new life that we're in um and i i was asked what i thought about him and i said it was nice to have a manager from this new generation of managers that's hungry that's just left the football field themselves you know the the likes of your steve bruce your tony pulis your sir alex your arson Wenger's, they're all kind of fading out now steve bruce hopefully sooner rather than later <laughs> from the footballing world but that's a personal opinion um but I just said, you know, it's a young, hungry manager. Let's hope he can do something. Obviously, he's done really well with Donny Rovers. And I didn't think anything else of that. I thought that was a perfectly valid opinion. It was positive. I was trying to be positive. Um, and I went onto my Twitter that night and it was pointed out to me how Gary Monk was young too. And I didn't feel the need to mention Gary Monk. Why was I only talking about Darren Moore? Was it because I fancied him? Was it because of the rumours about what he got in the trouser department and all this sort of thing. I was just like, what? I was literally talking about him as a manager. Um, and the final straw was when somebody tweeted saying that their ideal match day would be to find me dead in the park on the way to the ground um, with a rope burn around my neck. And the person who tweeted this actually knew my cousin who had lost about six months before to suicide in that exact way and that got 32 oh, likes and that That's just that threw me completely that was just I had to leave Twitter I couldn't cope with it I was not only like don't get me wrong Dan who I do the podcast with he's like my best mate he rings me all the time he rang me as soon as he saw it and just said baby you've got to delete your Twitter you've got to just get off everything because he's down in Brighton he's like I can't do anything I just I don't know what to do and I just did I just got rid of everything and it wasn't until about maybe four, three or four months later when I'd just been silent or locked down on everything. I'd changed my name on Facebook so people couldn't find me because I used to get found through there. Um, that Radio Sheffield rang me. And as soon as I answered, I knew the number straight away. I was like, oh. I went, no, I've told you. I've told you I'm not doing anything else. And it, they were like, no, 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 don't hang up. This is about a campaign called Her Game too. <laughs> And so I ended up live on air that morning with Lucy, who's the other co-founder, 
and that's how I kind of got involved in the campaign. I spoke to Lucy on air and then spoke to her briefly afterwards and I just told her kind of like my story and how things have affected me and just wanted to get involved and then had a chat with Kaz and then now now we're here. So but I absolutely believe that everything that has been said at me, don't get me wrong, I get stuff wrong, like all the time. I'll I'll quote a player a scoring that hasn't scored or I'll I'll name the wrong ground or I'll do something but no more than what my counterparts would do who are men on the podcast. Um, and I think that's just something that, like I said, you, you kind of learn to accept, but I, I don't want to accept it anymore. And I think this campaign has kind of given me a bit of a shield against those trolls. Like I've unlocked my account. I've kind of, I've just gone back to tweeting how I would normally tweet. I've got an opinion on stuff and I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it anymore. Um, and they're still out there. I just don't search for them. This is fair enough, and 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 I think the listeners will be laughing as well because they know that I get things wrong all the time. Like I'm saying, <laughs> we're tweeting out the players' names, the goal scorers wrong. Uh, we're standing on the terraces, and people standing beside us going. We thought that you were totally clued up beside, but now you're sitting there and you're asking me who scored and who that player is, like, you know. So uh, listen, I hear. Listen, I hear you exactly what you're saying, Ali. Just just give us you know any thoughts. Have you had any? grief and at all you know any incidents that you want to talk about um certainly nothing on the level that these two girls have suffered um, that's for sure um it, it, it's i tend to find that the problem for me is uh people my eldest son is very active on twitter um, and he tends to get stuff aimed at about me aimed at him to try and upset him and i've just said look just don't worry about it and don't reply to it because you know, it's just people are trying to get to you by having a go at me, and it's just, and it's it's just not really very pleasant. And um, I find that upsetting more for him than for me because I'm I'm very thick-skinned. I've I've worked in television, which is a how not so much now, but certainly for the many years I've worked in it is a, an incredibly misogynistic um, misogy- has been an incredibly misogynistic industry in the past, and especially sports broadcasting. This very well-known cases as we know at Sky um so I, I'm pretty thick-skinned about it but sort of like they do sort of like use me to, to to get to him and in the same way that they wouldn't use I don't think they'd use a man to get to you know a teenager it, it's it's just you know it's the usual thing your mum's a slag or you know all this sort of stuff and um it's you know it's, it's just not acceptable really and you know, like you say, it's, there comes a point where you say, no, we've got to say that this is this is enough. And I have had one case where online uh, with an acquaintance that you, you we have had in the past, Bill, um, who I was told to get back to the kitchen and F off. So, you know, yeah, yeah, you could probably yeah. guess and who that again, was. All this- <laughs> no, I'm, I'm actually, I don't know who that is, but I'm, I'm going to talk to you afterwards to find out. Yeah, please, please do. And this is not funny at all because we're sitting down there laughing because no. it's not funny at no, all. Listen, just no, just coming back to this because I'm, I'm listening because you're, you've, three of you have told some very, very sort of heartfelt stories. And the question I'm going to ask you is that um, when when this happens to you, do you actually sort of kind of feel alone? Because a lot of this you're talking about is is online abuse and you're, you're being targeted, and you're sort of thinking, look, there's no one else there. I'm being targeted myself. I, I feel really alone here. You know, who else is helping me? Who else is backing me? I'm just wondering, Kes. Yeah, when I was getting it quite bad um, after that tweet, the Wiccan tweet, it was, it just felt like everyone was against me. It was quite late at night, and I think a lot of, like, my close friends weren't active on Twitter, so they hadn't really seen it. So I wasn't getting much support at the time, and it just felt like I was just getting abuse after abuse after abuse. Every time I went on, it was more people saying stuff. It was getting nastier and nastier. And then, yeah, I guess you could sort of say, because it's very male-dominated, a lot of men that are on there probably won't be able to, they, they won't be able to relate. They won't really understand how how much it sort of hurts when you get t- targeted for your gender. It's discriminating. So, um, like, don't get me wrong, in the morning when all my friends had seen it, I, I woke up to about 
probably about 15 to 20 messages, WhatsApp messages of support from all my friends that had woke up and seen all the abuse. And um, I think I counted in the end, once I went back on Twitter, 175 DMs that were all very supportive and really lovely. But at the time, um, when it start, when you get that pile on, yeah, you do feel like you're on your own and you do feel like everyone hates you. And that's the worst thing about it. And, you, and they start to make you feel like you've done something wrong. <laughs> you're there going, have I, have, have I said something out of line? And then you think, actually, no. No, I haven't like I've seen this loads of time online and loads of loads of men haven't had the same sort of reaction um so yeah it does feel very lonely and and targeted and it is it's a form of bullying unfortunately but um yeah I'm just glad I had that support network to sort of get me through it and get me back on my feet yeah and, and the reason why I'm asking that as well is because I mean and again I'm not drawing parallels as such but I can personally I can talk about for myself from having racist incidents because I'm black and you know having racist incidents and you're there on your own and you're trying to deal with this stuff on your own especially for years in football where the, the authorities wasn't helping you the club wasn't helping you the police no one was helping you you're on your own and you're thinking I, I need some support I need somebody else here to have my back and I'm just wondering and maybe you girls just talk between yourself to say like when you saw the and you bought the, the herd game two thing together and I see you know Ali you know she's banging it she was wearing the t- you know she bought the hoodie as well the other day she was wearing it the on the terraces and I stuff months ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no but I saw you wearing it the other day I said I saw you wearing it a few weeks ago uh, not the last game the game oh. before that I'm just wondering whether or not this is something that you felt all of a sudden you've managed to bring people who are like-minded together who actually have got your back is this, is this kind of what you know this this her game to is about yeah I think so and I think we've given examples that are kind of to the extreme, if you like, like, don't get me wrong, I don't get abuse like that on a daily basis, but I will get called a slag twice a week or bint, or I will get, oh God, it's this this bird again, or they're always terms that are, like Cal said, reflecting your gender. It's never like, oh, you know, here she is again talking about, so it's always something that's personal. And even if they don't tag me in it, it's they'll retweet something that I've been featured on and they'll say, oh, God, and I'm sure they will with this podcast. Like, oh, God, here she is again moaning about being a woman, blah, 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 man-hating. And it's it's not about that. So that's why, like, this campaign actually makes you feel like whether it's just somebody calling you ugly, which I don't think anyone in there, anyone would comment that to one of my mates who's a man on the podcast, would never say, oh, he's got shit eyebrows or all the stuff that we get all the time. Um, so whether it's something like that or to the absolute extremes like we've talked about, just knowing that there's a hashtag that you can just reply and say, do you know what? <clears throat> and you know that people are going to get behind you. And as like the girls were always tracking that hashtag and we will always reach out to the people involved as well. That's good. And, and, and Ali, I mean, as you know, on, on Besotted, we <laughs> we try to be, you know, we try to be, you know, open to all, as you know, you know, you know, we're very... And, and to use the word diverse, sometimes I don't like to use that word because I think it's so overused and sometimes it's kind of like a lot of people don't even know what it means. But we basically think that football is for all. And we talk about this a lot, how we can include people. I mean, for you, her game two, you know, um, you're not part of it as such, but you obviously very much believe in it. And sort of kind of what made you tick when you saw what was happening, what these girls were doing? Well, I, I think one of the things that I find is that um, there's very much a focus now... Uh, which is a fantastic thing on on getting racism out of football, uh, getting homophobia out of football. But there is not until now been any real any real action on getting misogyny and sexism out of football, which is something that also really does need to be addressed. So as, as a straight woman, straight white woman, I think that that's um, it, it's a group that that is for me. Um, and I, I just think there's. There's so many women who go to football, who are involved with football, who watch football, who play football, that that need to to find a, a common ground. So when we do come across these issues, whether it be online, whether it be on the terraces or wherever, that there's there's a, a, a common point that we can go to. Does that sort of make sense? Um, of course it does. Because I, I feel there's reporting systems for homophobic charts, there's reporting systems for racist charts, which is, again, absolutely fantastic. But... You know, at the same time, misogyny never really seems to come get mentioned in the same way. And, you know, I, I think that, that that's something that we need to be pushing up the agenda. 
and obviously, I mean, Kaz and Vic, this is something which is very much uh, within your agenda, within your aims, you know, within, you know, what you're, what you're thinking of doing. Yeah, so we've got reporting systems in place with the 24, 25 clubs that we've partnered with so far, which is brilliant. Um, I was speaking to my club, Bristol Rovers, and I said, look, I don't know where to go. If I have any abuse mm, at the match, exactly I have that, no idea. Exactly I have no idea if I can report it, if, you know, if, if we'd be taken seriously. Um, so they were straight away, OK, yeah, here's the system. We'll get it on a poster. We'll put it up around the ground. So now I go to the stadium, I go into the ladies' toilets. On the back of the door, there's posters to say, this is the number you call if there's any problems and it will be dealt with. Um, so it's, yeah, no longer the norm. It's no longer accepted. And um, yeah, they've been brilliant. When I've had online abuse, they've blocked the account because it's come from a Bristol Rovers fan. Um, they've blocked the account so that, to, to make a point of saying, you know, this isn't allowed and they'll keep monitoring it. And if he does carry on, then they'll ban him. And I think it's a real big statement and to be honest it stops them saying all these stupid things like get your tits up for the lads we had we, we did a survey and we had a girl that said she was someone was singing that to her from as young as she was 14 and she was having a group of men saying get your tits up for the lads like little things like that if they know it can affect them going to games and could potentially get them banned or suspended from games for a while then they just won't say it and it just makes a little difference like it, it's just these little things that yeah will really help make women feel more comfortable and encourage the next generation of girls who want to go it's really listen interesting really interesting views there and really heartfelt views as well and just coming back to you ali i thought it's really interesting how you how you tried to kind of like you know draw a parallel between you know what's happening in the women's game or you know what's happening with women as, as opposed to the racism and the homophobia and stuff like that. And it's almost like you're sort of saying, look, there's a lot of people out there that know there's an issue, but it's almost like no one's actually gone out of their way to, to, to deal with it. So what's interesting is what, the, what, you, what you girls have done is that you've kind of picked up the baton, really, and you've actually got something that's going, which is almost, in a, in a way, has kind of embarrassed the authorities because what you're doing is that, and I'm, I'm saying this myself here, you're doing things that, basically somebody else should have been doing which is a good thing though isn't it yeah exactly I mean it was never there in, in place before um I was saying to my club Bristol Rovers I sort of said you know you haven't um got anything in place you know I'm a, I'm a fan I go all the time and I wouldn't know where to report it um and then so they sort of said this is where you go um you sort of chuck uh, posters up in the ladies' toilets, you put it around the stadium so women can go to games and they're like, oh, okay, if I do have any problems, I can report it and something will be done about it. Um, so with all the clubs that we've partnered with, we want to implement this um, reporting system in place um, that sort of gets... Um, yeah, w women feeling comfortable going to games inspires the next generation to feel comfortable to go to games. Um, and yeah, and I'm really glad that we are the ones that are, are doing it, are actively doing it. And we're now going to um, keep doing that sort of thing. So we've not just, it's not job done. Um, we're a long way off it. We're going to keep working hard. Um, we keep, uh, well, we're, we're back and forth, aren't we, Vic, all the time with uh, talking to clubs and trying to get a system in place and dealing with reports. We've got a reporting system on our website where women can tell us about incidents that they've had at, at matches at the weekend and uh, that we can then take that to clubs and be like, what are you doing about this? You know, are you going to make any changes to make sure that next time something like this happens that it will be dealt with and that women can continue going to games and, and feel safe? Because we have sadly had some reports where... We have one recently where a woman said that she went to her first away game and her last away game because of her, her experiences that she had. Um, so, yeah, this is the sort of thing we want to stop. We want to make women feel more safe. We want to make young girls feel encouraged to go and feel like they'll be protected and looked after um, and just be able to enjoy the game because that's what we all want to do. So, yeah, I'm really pleased that we have, um, yeah, we, we've managed to do that already and we'll just keep working hard to make sure we can get it across as many clubs as we possibly can in the Football League and hopefully Premier League. I think what's interesting as well is like the reporting system that obviously we've mentioned. All clubs by law above grassroots level have to have some sort of system in place for when there is abuse, especially against like protected characteristics. So race, um, sexual identity, you know, and disabilities and gender. Gender is a protected characteristic. And that's what I think we need to not, not remind the clubs because that makes everyone sound as bad as each other. But I think that clubs need to be aware that that's just as serious. It's just as against the law and it's still a crime and it's still a protected characteristic to give abuse to somebody based on one of those things. And 
Um, it's also to say to women that you are just as relevant, you are just as important as these other things. If this happens to you, don't think it's any less important because it's not about you being gay or being disabled or, you know, it's it's still a thing. And that's the thing that a lot of clubs were not expecting you to set up a new system. We're not expecting you to have police patrolling every stand, you know, we're expecting you to use the system that you've got that's there to also encourage people to report sexism. Ellie? Yeah, I, w- I was just going to say, going back to um, what Kaz was saying about when she were, first went to Bristol Rovers, I must admit, I wouldn't have a clue how to report any sex abuse at Brentford. I wouldn't have a clue where to go, who to speak to. would not have a clue at this point, which maybe because I haven't looked for it, I don't know, but um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know who to go to. To be fair, it should be in your face, though. You should, it should be there. That's so obvious that you know exactly where to go, shouldn't it? Yeah. And the, the whole thing that you said about, Kaz, about um, the posters in the ladies' lose, I, I'm, I was just thinking, why haven't we got that? Why am I not seeing that? I go to a lot of away games, you know, Bill, I, why am I not seeing it at Brentford? Why, not see, why am I not seeing it at all these grounds that we go to? And, you know, it's, you just don't. And it's just, well, where would I start? OK, well, we've got, um, we got Sally on, who's, uh, like I said to you, from Brentford, who's going to be on a little bit later. And these are maybe questions that you want to put to her as well. But look, just, just coming back to, because I mean, you're talking about a lot of things there. You're talking about your campaign. But also it's very interesting because obviously your campaign have got a lot of aims. And a few of the aims that I wrote down here, you know, talk about awareness and education. Uh, you want to build strong relations with clubs. And like I said to you, we'll talk about Brentford, uh, you know, with Brentford a little bit later. Also strong relations with fan groups as well. You want to have a presence at football grounds, which is something as girl that Ali's talking about for a start. And also online abuse campaigning. So there's like five points. I mean, there's a number of other points as well. But I mean, I just thought I'd pick up on that. I think the education thing is quite interesting because education is... A lot of people say it's the way forward. Uh, you know, again, for me, you know, in my situation, again, I, uh, I'm, a, I, I am an educator. You know, I, I do believe in education. I do, I do get a little bit long in the tooth and fed up of it after a while because you feel the whole time you're always educating. You're always educating. Twenty years later, you always have to be educating. But at the end of the day, I do see that it is the way forward. With you girls, how has the education gone? Um, and you know, how do you see it moving forward? Obviously, we are only five months old at the moment, so it's just something that has been we've been working on it. Um, we haven't actually got very far with it yet, but it's something that we are working towards. Um, so, we have managed to get into a couple of universities. Um, so, we've started modules on her going to um, and unis, but mainly for us, we want to start educating from primary schools because the amount of people that have got in touch with us and said. You know, I love this campaign. My daughter has been told at the playground that she can't join in because it's a boys game. Um, so actively being pushed out of playing football on the playground by the boys. And that is that's boys at a young age. Um, so it actually, sadly, is happening in primary school. So we want to get into there. And we also we've had loads of reports about um, parents saying that. Their daughter loved playing football in school, but then it got to a she got to a certain age where she couldn't play with the boys anymore. And then the boys had a football team set up, but the girls had to go and play netball. And that, that was the same when I was at school as well. Yeah, um, there was yeah, there was never. And I loved playing football, but there was never the option for us girls to play football once we got past the age of not being able to uh, compete with the boys because of like physicality which I understand why then wasn't there a women's team and a boys team why was it girls play netball boys play football and you got a question why why that is and how it stops the progression of women like and you know women that enjoy football and want to get to the very top they have a gap in their progression whereas boys can play from a young age and they just continue all the way through until adulthood whereas women have those gaps um so we want to start making those changes in schools making football teams available to girls as well um and then creating modules so that kids are educated um about sexist abuse about online abuse and hopefully we could start changing the mindset um and then the next generation will start seeing a big difference 
hopefully. Yeah, and, and, and you're 100% there. I mean, my daughter, she plays football. Uh, she, she, was, she, she started playing football when she was five at six. Then she stopped when she was six because she was playing with boys at the time. And then she came home and she says, Daddy, I'm not, I don't want to play football again because all, all these boys are stupid. They keep saying that, that I can't play and they won't pass the ball to me. So I only want to start playing football when I get to a girls' team. And then she didn't play football for another three years till I found her a girls' team. She starts playing. But she even came home yesterday from school and she goes, it's really stupid. The boys are allowed to play football, but they're making us play... Um, netball and do trampolining you know but there's no girls team and she still says like you know I play football my friends play football but they won't do so it's almost like there's at school they they want to do things but it's almost like they don't know how to do it or they don't have the staff to do it or they don't have the enthusiasm I don't I'm not sure exactly what it is but it's really 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 frustrating just talking about the education side of things though I mean and, and the awareness because I'm just coming back to this because I'm just wondering also, do you think there's a generational thing going on here with um, what we're talking about with the sexism or does it go across the generations? You know, we talk about young to old or do you find it more at a, a particular type of age? I think it's, it, is, it goes across generations. I think we've also kind of not accepted because that's the wrong word, but we're almost, you know, we're doing this voluntary and everything that we do is for the good of the campaign. It's not to get, you know, I certainly don't want my face out there, not tonight. I said to you, I don't want this recorded, I look <laughs> awful. Like, but it's, we've accepted that there's certain people who aren't going to change and who aren't going to change those views. And those people, we all know who they are. I always say they've got a Union Jack flag in the bio and there's, there's always the same people that will come at us no matter what and those people they're not a lost cause but it's not worth focusing the energy that we've got on trying to convince those people that we're worthy of sharing the same football stadium as them but what we can do is speak to people like yourself Billy who's a dad of a little girl who will then might go who's someone who might all of this time have even chuckled along at these get your tits out chants or whatever who might go whoa hold on I've got a daughter that's not right and then, as Kaz said, to go in at like primary school level and even like we've talked about working with football academies and, you know, just trying to get this message out there early enough because there, there's a certain generation and I think it's harsh to put it all on one generation, but obviously the latest sort of Generation Z are very, very woke. They're very with it. They kind of, they, they get it, they understand, but there will always be that rebellious side of a generation and they're the ones that it's just not worth the time. It's just a block button on Twitter. It's just not worth it. So if we can get into schools, if we can get into colleges, into universities, into working with different education academies, and we've been speaking to some people this week who've been so passionate, and the majority of them are dads with a daughter who wants to play football, which is just brilliant. Like, my dad always encouraged me to play football. He was a footballer himself. He never saw me being a girl as being an issue for that, ever. Like I said, he took me as a baby to the football. But for him to say that he doesn't have those sort of biases in Bill or whatever is completely wrong because we all do. So I think we've just got to go out there and say, this is what we're trying to do. This is what's wrong. This is how it makes people feel. How would you feel if that happened to your daughter, to your sister, to your mom? Obviously, in Ali's case, like, and that's that's the way that we can get, especially to young boys. Obviously, they're targeting Ali's son because they know they can wind him up by talking about his mom. But actually, those people that are winding him up by talking about their mum, that's the people that we need to go to and say, how would you feel if this was said about your mum? Because they know that that's the emotive side of things. So it is about education. And like I said, getting in the earlier, the better. And just making sure that people from the start know that it's not a right thing to do. Listen, this, I mean, this campaign, to me, it's, it's obvious. It's a, it's a no-brainer. And, you know... For, for me, I, I think that anybody who is right-minded would get on board on this. Do you have any times where you actually feel disappointed because you think, tell you something, they got my back here, but all of a sudden they don't? I mean, and the reason why I say this, I remember I spoke to Kaz, I think it was quite a few months back, um, about the campaign. I said, oh, yeah, I'd love to. Oh, this would be great if you want to help me. I could get into grassroots football. We should do this with the kids. And, and then, oh, you know, I'll, I'll do some coaching and we get the leagues and we can get into the leagues and the, the FA and stuff like that. And I, I, I played them the video, right, of the guy that, of, who was running the club that I was, I, was, I was coaching at the time. And I played it to him, really excited, okay. And the response I got was so dead, 
right, it kind of knocked me back because I thought he'd be as excited as me. And he just kind of just, he just wasn't interested. And he just said, well, yeah, all right. It's just, and, and, and it was just a, a no. And then also I realised the politics of the league because I just thought you can get it in there. Oh, no, I'm not sure about that. There's, there's these rules and these regulations. And I just realised that, again, from a generational point of view and also football being as it is, which hates change, all of a sudden, I just realised that you were coming in there with a massive spanner to try and get them to change and they don't like it. And you must have got that so many times. Football so hates change. You get people out there who literally will spit blood and want to kill you because you're trying to do something which, inverted commas, isn't football. Tell me, have you been getting the same? Because it really did, that threw me badly. After that, I was thinking, whoa, maybe, you know, this isn't going to be as easy as I thought. Yeah, I mean, like... Of course, we've had a lot of people trying to drag us down, um, but we, we found that it's always the same people every time. Um, they're just angry at what we're trying to do. Like you said, they hate change. They think we're trying to ruin football. They think that we're hating on men. They're, they're not taking the time to actually read into what we're doing. They've just looked at it, for, like looked looked at the Twitter page, saw that it's getting some attention or or getting into their games, like football manager that they play, and they hate that. So. Um, that they're trying to find ways of, of tearing it down. And to be honest, it just won't work because there are so many people out there that can resonate with it. There's dads that, who have daughters that absolutely love it. Um, there's so many women that work in football that have got in contact with us, players got in contact with us, um, women that have had experiences themselves, bad experiences that have said, thank you so much, I've never had anywhere to go and now I do. And it's great to have that community where I could talk to girls that have gone through the same thing. Um, so yeah, they can they can keep trying and they can keep trying to drag it down and, and make it go away, but it won't go away because the positivity we're getting from it is just so much stronger than the negativity. I mean, I, I, sometimes I have my meltdowns, don't I Vic? And then the, the Hurricane 2 girls will calm me down and say, look, this is what we're doing it for. Like we we will get people like this. And unfortunately, when you do put yourself out there to to fight for a change, you will get the idiots. And you've just got to try and blank it out and just keep going. And if anything, they're just motivating us to, to work harder because they're just proving our point. Um, all we want to do is build that safe space for women. We don't want women being put off anymore. We want women to have the equal opportunity as men. We want them to be able to to feel safe going to games and we want football clubs on board with that and and we want to stand with men we don't want to be against men we don't want to take over we want us all to be together in that stadium watching the game that we all love that's all we want and if people took the time to actually look into what we do they would understand that yeah and i think it's been interesting from a couple of clubs that we've spoken to um grassroots personally that i've been to are not so much grassroots but sort of semi-professional um, and even a professional football club who we've spoken to recently, and we actually got a response from a woman for that, has kind of been, oh, we've never heard about this. So if we talk about it, then it's going to sound like it's a problem at our football club. It's like, I guarantee you mm. that somebody in your stand, a woman has received sexism or, or misogynistic abuse at some point. One, Even if it's one out of a crowd of 50,000 people, you're, you as a club should be doing more against that. So the club that I spoke to have kind of come back and said, oh, if we, if we do this, it looks like there's a problem here. There, there is, because you're a room of men telling me that if you do this, that it looks like there's a problem here. Do you know what I mean? Um, but obviously the woman that we got the back backtrack from said she, she'd even spoken to younger girls and they haven't had anything. And it's like, sometimes it can be really, really easy if you want to prove a point to ask people who will agree with you and not to go out to a wider demographic. So obviously the survey that we did, we spoke to nearly 400 fans, female fans from across the country, up and down, who I think it was something like 60% have personally received sexist abuse. That's, In person, yeah. That's a huge number. 98% had seen it online. So you're telling me that's not at Brentford, that's not Sheffield Wednesday, that's not at Bristol. It's everywhere. and. Like I said, it's almost this taboo again, like we were saying with the other campaigns earlier, like the, the homophobia campaign. Obviously, I'm passionate about the Stonewall campaign, uh, Kick It Out campaign, as Billy knows, I am obsessed with that. Um, but we, it's almost like the misogyny is kind of downplayed a bit and people think it's not that much of a big deal. And it is. And I think that's something that every club needs to stand up and go, do you know what, if there's one little girl who decides that she wants to go to the football again, or one woman in her 80s who decides that she feels more comfortable at the football, then this campaign's right. 
it's like I said, we're literally we're not sat here trying to concoct spells and potions and like kill off men. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. about doing the right thing. There's no so, um, back end to it. There's no sort of underlying evil layer that we've got where we're trying to come up with something else. It's literally just trying to make people feel more comfortable going to the football. So when you get women in positions of power, you know, women are the gatekeepers. It's very rare to have women in positions of power in football. So when you find a woman in position of power, like I said to you, a gatekeeper, and, you've, and, and you, you approach that woman and she doesn't seem to have your back, she doesn't seem to be um, sympathetic to the cause, she doesn't seem to want to back you, how does that make you feel? We were all gutted, weren't we? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was just a bit, yeah, the same as you, Billy, when you had that guy that, that reacted in that way, it sort of takes you back a bit because we know that it's a thing and we know that we strongly believe in it. And we've had so many reports and so like the survey results don't lie. And um, I just think, I, yeah, I was really surprised at that. And she also said um, that there was a lot that, that a lot of older women couldn't resonate with our campaign but we've had loads of older women that say they could. I mean, what we wrote on those place cards when we did the video applies to anyone of any age. Like it's not just because we're young in the video is is because that's the people I followed at the time that I knew believed in the campaign. It wasn't intentional that we didn't have any older women in the video. Um, but again, like we didn't expect it to blow up the way it did. And if we were to do another video, we'd make sure we represent absolutely everybody we possibly can. Um, but yeah, it was yeah, it, it was quite upsetting. Um, but we know that that's one person in the entire club. We know that there's been arguments <laughs> at board level at the club um, against this one person that that is saying that it doesn't exist. So um, yeah, we'll we'll try again. You know, we won't give up on it. We will try again in a few months' time to see if we can you know, get the ball rolling on it because our priority is the fans of that football club and we want to make sure that they're safe and that they have that reporting system in place. So just because one person at the club has said that it doesn't exist doesn't mean we'll give up on it and we'll keep working and hopefully we'll we'll be able to sort some out there. Ali, I just want to talk to you about role models because obviously female role models are so important, you know. I talk about my daughter a lot because, well, I love the daughter and I think she's great, but also having people out there doing stuff, not only... TV level, but also for me, grassroots is very important. So just having faces in the crowd, people, girls like you that are doing stuff. For, for me, the stuff that you're doing is equally as important for my daughter, you know, in her growing up and her feeling, you know, feeling right within the game as it is for, you know, your Alex Scotts and that in the world. Now, talking about online abuse, so voicing your opinions, you know, we had a scenario where Karen Carney got absolute dogs abuse uh, online. Even Alex Scott has got dogs abuse as well online. I mean, Ali, we, we talked about this quite a lot, about how vicious the abuse that they get when they have an opinion online. I mean, do you want to talk to us about that and your, and your thoughts on that? I just, it, it never, I mean, social media and Twitter in particular can be absolutely foul anyway, um, and not, not just related to football, but it, it never ceases to amaze me that... Um, uh, a lot of male football fans and the male football community, and, and so, not all by any means, but there is a, a substantial number who seem to be mortally offended by a female football fan or a female football pundit having an opinion that they disagree with. And um, because they disagree with it, there is no rationale way that they can find of discussing it or debating it. It's just straight to abuse, straight to misogynistic abuse, straight to pile-on. And the pile-ons just happened so quickly. The Karen Carney one was like, bang! It was like from nothing. And it was just... I mean, I, 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 you know, she's a good pundit. Alex Scott is a brilliant pundit. Far better than a lot of them, some of the male pundits that we have on TV. And yet, you know, they say something wrong. They say something that, that... a particular fan base might disagree with or they're particularly critical of a particular team. It's just, oh, some of the abuses just that would not be aimed at the the Gary Nevilles or the Jeremy Carragher's of this world. You know, certainly not on the same level and certainly not based on their sex. It's it's mind-blowing, some of it. Sorry, I was just going to say one thing that I found fascinating, Ali, was like during the Euros, um, with Alex Scott, obviously, was everywhere, as she should mm. be, because she is just yeah. wonderful, like absolute mm. fangirl for Alex Scott. Um, 
that she the amount of people that were saying what what quality like what sort of research or what sort of yeah why does yeah. she get to be that person why is she talking yeah. about it and it's like she literally has come runner up in the Euros. she's literally come i think runner up or quarterfinals for the fa uh, for the world cup like what's dan walker done to do with football yeah do you know what i mean like he's yeah. it uh, dan walker's yeah. a lovely guy and he's a great pundit and everything else but he's far less qualified than Alex Scott but it's almost like mm. when people said that and even people in the pub when I was sat watching the Euros are saying oh it's Alex Scott again here she is like wheel her out standard every year and it I felt I wanted to say she came runner up in the last Euros she came like I think third or fourth in the World Cup like she did this and I thought does it even matter if she's never kicked a football before in her life like Dan, Dan Walker's never been a footballer but not mm. one person questions his capacity of being a pundit and presenting football focus before when Alex Scott was announced my god like, it was mm. awful I mean I'm old enough as you are Bill to remember when um I'm, I'm just comparing the two when Gary Lineker um suddenly started presenting on tv and oh my he is very very good at it now but god at the beginning he was awful you know somebody who works in tv he was dreadful as a tv presenter um, but he certainly learned his trade very quickly. But whereas Alex was much more of a natural to it, and yet she was the one that got got absolutely slated all over the place. And it's just sort of like there's such a double standard there, such a double standard. It's even if you go back to like Des Lynham. Des Lynham wasn't a footballer, mm. like, and he was still, you no. know, an icon of Saturday night football. And yeah. it, it does feel like sometimes you're trying to justify why you've got a right to talk on something, yeah. like. I felt myself standing up for her and almost like reeling out her CV to people around me. And I thought, well, it makes no difference. Yeah. Like, Billy's not a footballer. He's allowed to talk about football. I'm not a footballer. I can. And that's that's where I think the balance is. And there is there is also the old, oh, she's only there because they're a woman and they have to tick a box, which is the one that really winds me up. Yeah. It's a box ticking exercise. Yeah, and, and just coming back to the Can Carney thing as well, um, I mean, obviously it was a Leeds scenario there and uh, she got basically got lambasted because she had made a comment that Leeds got promoted because of COVID. The comment she made is because of the intensity that Leeds play with and all of a sudden they had two or three months break, they came back refreshed and they can come back and finish off the season. But the interesting thing is we had the same conversation as well remember at Brentford because we had that same break where beforehand we were wilting when we when we went into the Covid period yeah. we had what three months break we came back and we were on fire we like basically won sort of yeah. seven or eight games in a row so the interesting thing is that she was kind of like saying what as far as we were concerned we were saying on our podcast I was saying it you were saying it she was the same thing as about Leeds but she got lambasted but the reason why it really kicked off is because Leeds United the official Twitter actually put it on their Twitter and they put it out there and it all kicked off and the question I'll say to you is that I can guarantee you the person that running that Twitter was a bloke if that was a woman yeah. do you think would they have actually put that out because it's a different type of thing and this is when we start talking about diversity of workforce if you were running that Twitter right you're not a Leeds fan you're not particularly happy with Leeds Vic but would you have put that out on the official Leeds Twitter if you were working for them if I was a woman knowing the abuse that women get absolutely not no Maybe if it was a bloke that had tweeted it, don't get me wrong, I probably would have done because I don't think it would have been at the same level um, and at the same personal attack that she had. Like, it was horrendous. Um, but I think knowing what we all know, even like Ali, who said she sees it mainly through her son, or even people that I know who've just had the odd comment, which is still one comment too many at the football, I would never, ever put a woman in that position because I just... You just know from personal experience what's going to happen. And this is my point, because all of a sudden, it's not a case of a lot of people turn around and say, blokes get it as well, they got abuse, oh, you know, they, they'll name a lot of male pundits that will get abuse. Yes, we understand that, but we're not at that at the moment now, because the problem is that we have a situation, we have a problem that needs to be fixed. When the problem is fixed and everyone's on a level playing field... Then you can go off and do it if you want to, because then you're not getting piled on because you are a woman and, 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 and whatever, you know, whatever issues there may be out there. But I think that until that problem is fixed, people have to be very aware. They've got to be able to read the room and understand. And the fact is that you're not pulling away from things. You actually just realise that you don't want to kind of open up a can of worms, which is something that they did. So time for a break. 
I'm going to pop out, put the kettle on, get a few beers in for whoever wants one. I'm going to pop down the corridor and grab hold of Sally Stephen. She's Brentford's Fan and Community Relations Director, and she's going to join us in part two of the podcast to shed a bit of light on how Brentford have been tackling diversity and creating an environment to make women feel more comfortable at games. We're also going to hear from Claire, Nevaeh, Anne, Holly, Natasha, Natalie, Bella and Becky on their footballing experiences as a female. So thanks for listening to part one of our Her Game 2 special podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to Besotted on prideofwest.london where you'll be able to listen to part two and over 800 of our other podcasts if you so fancy it. If you want to catch us on Sky Q, press the voice search button and say Besotted and you can get all sorts of Brentford content there as well. Contact us on the website besotted.com which is full of articles and great stuff and if you like what we do, buy us a beer at besotted.com forward slash beer. Thanks again for listening. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.